Welcome, and thank you for listening to Sandy Creek Stirrings. I'm your host, Joshua Jimenez. And if you're going to win souls, you've got to love souls. In spite of their meanness, in spite of the way they look, in spite of everything, you've got to seek to bring souls to Jesus Christ because you love them, because Jesus loved them, and because Jesus died for them, and you're trying to bring them to the Son of God. The Bible says in Psalm 84, 11, my last verse, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. I based my whole life on that, that it pays to serve God, and I believe that with all my heart. God has given us a guidebook. God has given us a directional map. And that guidebook, that map, is the precious Word of God. Listen, don't just go and sit in the pew. Find some way to serve and serve as a family. Be a part of everything at church. And when you learn to love what God loves, um, your children will learn to love it as well. Homes are not that spiritually strong. We're getting overtaken by the world quickly, but unfortunately, we're pumping all the sewage in. You know, we're letting the world in when that ought to be a haven. Today, we're going to share my top 10 tips for junior church workers. My top 10 tips for junior church workers. I've been working in junior church alongside my parents for a long time now, and I've been running the junior church here at our church for the past almost um, almost seven years here next March, and um, so six years right now, and just been excited about some things we began to see and some things that I have learned and that have been helpful to me I'm hoping to pass on to you today that will be helpful to you as well. So let me encourage you, if you work in a junior church ministry, I'm talking about one of those ministries that maybe runs during your Sunday morning service. Now, some churches don't have a junior church, some do. But these are going to be for that kids' ministry. And maybe your church does it a little bit different. Maybe you release at the beginning of the main service. Maybe the kids go directly from Sunday school into the junior church. Maybe they're like my church. They release them halfway through, right after the last special, just before the preaching. We release in the junior church. Maybe they release some other time. Maybe your junior church is kind of more um, before the Sunday night service. I don't know. But that kids' ministry where you have kids basically 12, down to four, and sometimes they split them up and they do 12 to eight, and then it's separate for the seven to four-year-olds. I don't know how you do it, but that type of ministry where they come together and you're singing songs, you're going to have a lesson, you're going to play games, these are the type of ministries that I'm referring to, and these are some of the things that I've learned that help make an effective junior church time in the back, in the fellowship hall, or wherever you meet. Now, If you're not a junior church worker, let me encourage you. If you don't have a place where you already serve within your church, maybe you don't have a ministry that you serve in, let me encourage you to get in on junior church. Junior church can be one of those great productive places where you can see people saved where you can start off as maybe just a person who is helps with crowd control and you're just sitting in and you're just paying attention and you're helping to make sure the kids are being obedient and then maybe you move up to telling a missionary story and then you move up to singing songs and then you move up to to teaching a lesson and so junior church is one of those things that it can really you can just grow with it and you can grow it and then you can learn you know do I like working with this age group do I like working with younger do I like working with older Am I good at teaching lessons? Am I good with music? Am I good with serving refreshments? It really gives you that whole spectrum of ministry. 
And I feel like junior church is one of those places you can go in, be a part of, learn about ministry, learn about dealing with kids, but also begin to learn, you know, where is where am I going to fit best in the ministry? Is it going to be in a cleaning type ministry? Is it going to be in a teaching type ministry? Is it going to be in a, um, you know, like an assistant type where I help lead songs and I help a Sunday school teacher or something like that? Junior church is great to learn those things. So let me encourage you. If you've got a church, they've got a sizable junior church, try and talk to the pastor. Try and talk to the junior church director and say, hey, I think I'd like to be involved. Could I come in for a month and just um, see if this would be something that would fit what I would, what God would have me to do ministry-wise? And so let me encourage you to consider, if you don't have a ministry you're working in, let me encourage you to consider working in your junior church ministry at your church. It's really a wonderful thing. There is something exciting about Sunday mornings, getting back there with those kids, no matter how big or how small of a group, getting back there with those kids and watching them being able to answer questions from the week before and watching them grow their Bible knowledge and watching them learn how to, how to act. By the way, junior church isn't a babysitting service. It's not. Junior church is one of those things where you are teaching kids how to act in what I refer to when I'm talking to the junior church kids, how to act in big church. Because in just a couple of years, when they can't go to junior church anymore and they're in the teen group, now they're sitting in the main auditorium. Well, if you didn't teach them right in junior church, they'll have no idea what to do out there. But if you teach them that, hey, our Bible time, our preaching time is the most important part of junior church, and hey, we need to abide by the rules, and hey, we need to sit still, and yeah, we're going to do some things that big church doesn't do. We're going to play a couple games, and we're going to have prizes and stuff like that. So yeah, it's going to be a little bit different, but this is a prime training ground for teaching them about how to act in, quote-unquote, big church. And so this is really an effective time. And so let me give you some tips today, top 10 tips for junior church workers, things you can implement right away. And some of these are going to be applicable not only to junior church, but some are going to be applicable to just uh, children's ministries in general, Sunday school, uh, maybe a Wednesday night program, maybe in some fashions for some of your younger teenagers, some of these things might work. And so let me encourage you to take these top 10 tips and put them to use for yourself and learn to make them fit. And they, I feel, will be helpful to you. Now, before we get into that today, if you have any questions about working in the ministry or working in junior church or working with a teen group or a general Bible knowledge question, let me encourage you to send those questions in to sandycreekstirrings.com. Go to the contact page and simply send in those questions because there are probably other people like you with the same questions. And so let me encourage you, ask those questions. You can go to our contact page on sandycreekstirrings.com or send an email directly to me at joshua at sandycreekstirrings.com. Again, that's joshua at sandycreekstirrings.com. Let's jump right in today. Top 10 tips for junior church workers. And the number one tip for me, and these aren't in any particular order of importance. I kind of just wrote them down. And uh, so they're not in order of importance. They're not like this one is better than the other one. They're just kind of random and some things that I wrote down. But number one, I feel the most important thing, one of the most important things you can do in junior church that's effective is the one, two, three rule. 
the one, two, three rule. Now, I'll be honest with you. Most of these things I did not come up with myself. I learned them by watching somebody else. I learned them by reading something, and I've made them work for me. Now, as I give these things and as I give these tips, you may not do it the same exact way that I do it. You may take the principle or the idea and implement it a little bit differently, and that's fine. You have to learn how to make things work for you. But for me, one of the greatest things, and I implement this whatever junior church I go to, whatever function I go to, if, I've, if I'm invited somewhere and I've been invited other places before to teach a junior church or a kid's ministry, first thing I will do, I don't even if I'm only there one time, I implement the one, two, three rule. And it goes like this. Um, rules are important in your junior church no matter what. I try to keep it as simple as possible. All right? So I tell my kid, my junior church kids, we go over this literally almost every week. What are the three rules of junior church? And I'll pick, you know, three kids, and they get to answer. And we'll talk about how they get rewarded for that. But um, the three rules of junior church for my junior church is, number one, no talking while Brother Josh is talking. And can I just give this tip as well? Anytime you're referring to yourself or anytime you're referring to one of your workers, always refer to them to uh, refer to them as Brother Josh. Or I have a young man who works with me in junior church. His name is Todd or Brother Todd or Miss Tabitha. Always refer to them as Miss or Brother or Mrs. And what that'll do is, is that'll train the kids to naturally respond to them in that same fashion. So you'll find after a few weeks, the junior church kids will automatically call them Brother Todd because you've taught them, hey, you refer to them as brother or miss. And it's not that you sat down and say, now, now kids, you have to say Brother Josh. No, you taught them by leading by example. Another way you can do that is you can refer to them as miss or brother. And so I'll look at a I'll look at a kid and I'll say, well, hey, Mr. Matthew, or hey, Mr. So-and-so over here, or hey, Miss Julie. And so you begin to teach those things by example. So that's just a free tip for today. But um, number one rule that I talk about in junior church is, number one, no talking while Brother Josh is talking. If I'm talking, your mouth should be shut. And so I tell you what, I have I have a crowd control worker in with me who just kind of, if I need something, they'll kind of handle it. But I tell you what, I'm not afraid to call out a kid from the pulpit and say, hey, Johnny, remember, no talking while Brother Josh is talking. And uh, so learn to remind them from your place of authority. But So that's the number one rule. The number two, two rule we have is have fun. And it's just kind of this fun, goofy rule. It makes them laugh. And I just tell them, have fun. And I tell them, you know, this doesn't even need to be a rule because you're going to have fun whether you like it or not. And they laugh and la, la, la. And But the third rule we always have and we always talk about is the one, two, three rule. I'll explain it to you the same way I explain it to the kids. I'll tell them, now, kids, the one, two, three rule is, is when Brother John says, one, two, three. The fastest team, and we'll talk about teams here in a minute, the fastest team that gets all their side to sit down in their chair, they put their legs in front of them, their back is against their chair, their their hands are folded in their lap, their eyes are on me, and their mouth is shut. That team will win some points for their team. And so I'll say, now stand up. Here we go. Shake your arms up and down. Here we go. And I'll count on one, two. And you'll see those kids, and they'll just, as quick as they can, sit down. And so that one, two, three rule really helps because if you practice it at random times, 
throughout junior church. So you may be, be uh, you know, just finishing up a song, and all of a sudden you go, one, two. They'll automatically start doing, getting into their seats. It's really, really effective because now that you've trained them the principle of the one, two, three rule, you can apply it any time. The kids are getting a little rowdy. One, two, three. Um, an adult maybe walks in the door trying to find a classroom. One, two, three. They immediately quiet down. They sit still. It allows you to get quick, very effective crowd control in a matter of three seconds. Now, I'll be honest with you. When, I, when I'm dealing with my children, I don't count. I tell them, and if they don't respond... They're gonna get disciplined. I don't do the now. You better listen to Daddy. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna count to three. One. I don't do that with my kids. But when you're in a big setting like this, you've got a lot of kids. It's really effective to turn it from just a rule to almost being a game. And when you can do that with a kid, when you can do that with a group of kids and turn it from just a rule to something that's fun for them, well, now you've just achieved the next level of being a junior church worker. And so the one, two, three rule, I believe, is one of the biggest things you can implement right off the bat. And you have to, well, I'll talk about this uh, tip number 10. And so just remember, you have to use tip number 10 that we're going to go over to make it effective. Because if you go to the kids and you say, now, kids, we're going to have a rule, and I'm going to say one, two, three, they're not going to get it. And so you'll want to listen all the way to the end for tip number 10. But here we go. Here's the next tip I would give you. Tip number two is always use as much as possible and change it up sometimes, but for the majority of the time, use a team competition. When you go in there, they need to be expecting we're competing against each other. And so I always divide up boys versus girls. I believe it to be the most effective. Most of the time as they get to be older boys and older girls, when we're in this culture we're in today, it's that, oh, he's my boyfriend. He's, she's my girlfriend. I, I don't want any of that going on in my junior church, so I separate them. And I will tell a young man, if he sits over on the girl's side, hey, fella, uh, the boys are sitting over here, and uh, I'll make him move. I don't have a problem with that. Maybe you do. I don't. So I have the boys sit on one side, the girls sit on another side, and they know there's a team competition going on. And so for that team competition, naturally there has to be a prize. And so this isn't a separate tip. I'm going to kind of roll it into this, but there needs to be some team prize for the winning team. And so what we do is we throw out points all throughout junior church, from the very beginning to when they come in, to when we sing songs, to when we ask review questions, to during the preaching, to at the end when we ask more review questions, to when we play our games, everything revolves around points, and they're always earning points. The better they do, the more points they earn. And so I'll tell them when we come in, now we're going to sing in right, out right, upright, down right. And so that's tied that's singing, all of their people are singing, and they are singing the loudest with the best motions. They're going to earn 500 points for their team. And I'll look at my worker. Okay, so-and-so here. Uh, we'll just use the worker that I have currently. All right, Mr. Todd, now here we go. You're going to write down 500 points for the loudest team, and I'll have the, my worker listen for the loudest team. And let me tell you something, that gets the kids pumped up. Now they're going to be involved more because there are points being given out. Now, if you're going to give out points, there has to be a great prize. If there's not a great prize, there's not much to work for. And so whatever you get, 
and I'll talk about this in just a second, but whatever you get for an award, you need to make it something that is going to be something they would want, something they're going to work for. And it could be a lot of different things. It could be a toy. It could be candy. It could be a cookie. It could be a can of soda. It could be a bunch of different things to where if you pump it up, it'll be something they'll want to work for. And so we give away points for everything in junior church. I give away 500 points for the loudest side with a song. I give away uh, 300 points for a review question. I'll give away, if I see a kid, they're, they're just doing really well. They're paying attention. I'll say, hey, here we go, 100 points over there to John for Johnny's side. Um, I'll give away points for the best side that's listening during preaching. I'll give a points away for game time. I'll give points away for more songs. I, I give points away for everything I can think of because now they learn that every aspect of while they're in junior church is going to be you know, I hate to use the term almost, but it's going to be judged. Everything they do. Because when they get out in big church, every aspect of big church is important. From the song time, to the preaching time, to the offering. The offering time isn't time to play games. It's time to pay attention. They're going to learn that because they've been in junior church. And they know that everything revolves around points. And so having a team competition going can really get their attention and just zero it in on you. And so let me encourage you to run a team competition. But tip number three, tip number three is to use the spirit awards. Use the spirit awards. And I explain it to the kids like this. Every week we have a spirit award. I'll tell them, now for today we're going to have for our spirit award, we're going to have, and I'll, I'll tell you for my listeners, I'll tell you what we just did this past Sunday. We're going to have for the Spirit Award today, for the boy that Brother Todd sees doing the very best. He's paying attention. His eyes are on me. He's focused. He's singing the songs. He's involved. He's answering the questions. He has the best spirit. And it may be a difficult decision, but he's got the best spirit. And for the best girl who has the best spirit, she's focused. I'll say the same thing because I'm reinforcing it. She's focused. She's sitting still. She's doing this. I've got here for the best boy. I've got one whole box of, and this week we have mixed berry Twinkies. I went to Winn-Dixie and I found Twinkies. I found a box of Twinkies. They were on sale, buy one, get one. And so I had four boxes of Twinkies and I gave the best boy, got a whole box of Twinkies. And then the best young lady got a whole box of Twinkies. All right. And then for the now that we're doing the Spirit Awards, we're watching for that young man and that young lady who by themselves individually is doing the very best they can. You say, well, that's kind of that's kind of mean. You know, what about all the other kids who are trying hard? Well, you know, I'm sorry, but not everybody's a winner all the time. And uh, they may be doing really good, but let me tell you something. Maybe so-and-so had a little bit of the edge this Sunday. Maybe they earn it next week. You know, there's just some things that go into this, but it really helps each kid on an individual level. Remember, before they were working on a team level, right? Well, if they see their team starts failing, what happens? Well, they're not going to try as hard because our team is, you know, 6,000 points behind. We're never going to win. And maybe as a junior church worker, you say double points on this round or whatever. But if they see their team start failing, they may not try as hard. Well, now we've covered ourselves because now there's a spirit award. And it's bigger than the team award because here's what we did for the team award. We said every kid on the winning team gets two Twinkies. 
Well, a kid's going to work for two Twinkies. At least the kids we had were. I had pumped it up. I said, these are new Twinkies. They're exciting. You know, everybody wants two Twinkies. And so the winning team, they're going to get two Twinkies for every member on their team. And then the best boy and the best girl, they get one whole box of Twinkies. Now we've taken it from just working on a team level. Now they're working on an individual level. So it doesn't matter if their team is falling behind or not. They're still working hard because they're interested in the Spirit Award. And remind them throughout Junior Church, say, hey, don't forget about our Spirit Award today. Best boy, best girl, and Brother Todd's watching. They are going to get the whole box of Twinkies. Now, are there going to be some times where parents are like, my goodness, you're giving our kids way too much sugar? Yes, there will be some times. Yes, you need to take that into account. Yes, you need to be careful. But on the same flip side, you got to be able to do as much as you can to pump it up. And so do things that are big. I mean, we'll give away a whole pack of Oreos to the best boy and then a whole pack of Oreos to the best girl and then split a pack of Oreos between a team. We'll put like three or four Oreos in a Ziploc bag and send it to each member on the winning team. And so sometimes we've done, you know, we'll give away a two liter of soda to the best boy and the best girl. And then we give a can of soda to every member on the winning team. Or if we have toys, we'll give away this bigger toy to the best boy and the best girl. And we'll give away this smaller toy or a piece of bubble gum to the winning team members. And as long as you do point 10, and I know we haven't got to tip 10, but as long as you do tip 10 with this, you'll make it exciting. They'll want to be a part. So let me encourage you. Use the one, two, three rule. Implement team competitions, but then cover yourself by doing spirit awards. Here we go. Tip number four. Tip number four is to use missionary stories. When I first began going to junior church myself, my dad was our junior church director. And I'll be honest with you, my dad should be the one doing this episode today because he far surpasses me at leading a junior church. He was phenomenal. Best junior church director I have ever seen. He's great at it. And um, But he started as one of those guys where he didn't think he wanted to work with kids. And his preacher told him, no, you're going to be involved in junior church. And so he worked his way up and became a junior church director. And I loved it. All the things that I mentioned today are things he's used, and I have adapted to work in my junior church. But he was a big fan of using missionary stories. And when I first started in junior church, I didn't really get it. It didn't make a whole lot of sense to me, and I didn't do them at first. Since then, I have learned how effective a missionary story can be. And so back in the day, um, you know, 20 years ago, they would take a, a binder out and they would have pictures and you would flip each picture and you could do that. There's nothing wrong with that. I think they're still effective. They're handheld. And so for many places, they're going to work. We still have some actual hard copy missionary stories that I still use even to this day. But I think for today and in our technology and the kids we have, something that I think may work even better, and it just depends on you and your scenario. You may be able to do this. You might not be able to do this. But if they have sites now to where you can have a PowerPoint. And so now you can put these pictures, instead of just on a handheld card, you can flash it up on top of a big screen. And if you have that ability in your junior church, I think that's going to be really effective to take the picture from a small picture up to a big screen to where they can see all the details and so now what I do is is I buy my missionary stories from, and now before I say this, I know really nothing about this, uh, this website. I don't know uh, where they come from. 
I don't know anything about it, so I'm not saying I support the website or what they stand for, but they sell some missionary stories that I'm able to make use of. And um, so the website would be BibleVisuals.org, BibleVisuals.org. If you go to their material section then click Stories, they've got all kinds of missionary stories, true stories, which is phenomenal because I can tell the kids these are true stories. So they've got great stories like Pig um, Doctor in the Pygmy Forest. That's a great one to tell. They've got, uh, we did one on George Mueller, a great story on George Mueller. You could do the story, there was um, a miracle for Samuelito, and they love that story too. And then, oh, there's a, a Doming, the Popsicle Boy. And uh, those are great missionary stories that you can tell. And here's what I use the missionary stories as. I don't do them every single week. I don't do them every single week. I use them as a switch up. So for a few weeks, for I may take a missionary story and spread it across four to six weeks. And I use it as a change up. Maybe we haven't done a missionary story in a while. I will bring back out the missionary story. And you can implement it in really one of two ways. One... You could just take part of your junior church. If you start junior church, you know, from Sunday school, they go directly into junior church, then you can make a missionary story just part of your junior church time. You have an hour to an hour and 15 minutes. You can take 15 minutes of that time and use it as a missionary story, and you could do it every week which is great. My church, we release our junior church kids just before the preaching. And so typically, depending on who's preaching, I have about half an hour to 45 minutes with the kids. So I don't always have 15 minutes to be able to do a missionary story with because I'm going to do preaching. Uh, I don't forsake preaching. Now, what I can do sometimes is I can make the preaching part of the missionary story. And I can center the preaching around, first of all, the Word of God, but then incorporate the missionary story into it and pull a lesson from what's going on in our missionary story. But I use it typically as a change-up. If we've been in a rut for a little while, we've been doing some of the same things, I will bring out a missionary story, and it can really make those kids more excited. They get to see the pictures. It's just something exciting for them. So again, that's BibleVisuals.org. You can buy the PowerPoints. I think you can buy the hard copies from them as well, but uh, that would be BibleVisuals.org. There will be a link in the show note descriptions for that website. Let me encourage you to make use of a missionary story. By the way, this is a great way to get new junior church workers involved. Maybe you have a new junior church worker who just started. Maybe they're a little nervous. They're a little shy. Typically, you can talk them into just learning to tell the missionary story. It's got all the words there for them. They just need to learn not to read it, but to just tell it in an animated and enthusiastic way to draw the kids into the story. Typically, if that worker has never seen a missionary story done before, I will do it for the first two weeks and then show them exactly how it needs to go and then let them take it over. It, it can be a great way to get those new workers involved. Here's another thing you can use in your junior church tip number. I think this is tip number five, Warron. Tip number five would be to use magic tricks. Now, you might not want to call them magic tricks, um, you might want to call them, you know, sleight of hand, or you might want to call them just tricks or something, because we want to stay away. You know, this isn't black magic. This isn't, you know, we're going to, you know, pray to the dead or anything like that. This is like sleight of hand. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen like a, a guy do 
quote unquote magic tricks where he has maybe sponge balls and he'll make those those you know those sponge balls appear out of thin air and they'll disappear and or maybe you've seen a guy have a bag and he can put colored handkerchiefs in the bag and all of a sudden he waves his hand over it and boosh out comes some white handkerchiefs or whatever and you know you get a guy or a lady um, who can use that to tell stories and to teach a lesson with that it can be really effective. For instance, I've got what's called a change bag. And it's this bag. It's got a handle. And what I'll do is is I have four colored handkerchiefs. I have one that's blue, one that's green, one that's yellow, and one that's red. And I will teach a lesson. I will teach a lesson holding up, you know, the different colors represent different sins, and they go into our heart. And I'll put these colored handkerchiefs into the bag and talk about how they go into our heart. When when our heart is filled with sin, where are we going to go when we die? We're going to go to hell. And then I take a little handkerchief that's white. And I've written the name Jesus on it. I say, but when we put Jesus into that heart, and I put Jesus in the bag, and Jesus comes into our heart, and he saves us, and all of a sudden, I'll have a kid come up, he reaches his hand into the bag, and the handkerchiefs are gone. They're not there. I'll flip the bag inside out. I'll dump it out. I, nothing's come about, coming out of it. They are gone. And the kids, it takes that story, and now it visualizes it for them, and now they're going to remember that story. Because here's what you can do. You can either just tell a story with no visuals, no props, no anything. You can just tell the story. They'll remember it next week. They're not going to remember it for the rest of their lives. You tell a story with a prop or a visual, something they can handle and see, they will remember that story when they're 25 because it meant something to them. It was tangible. They could feel the story. And so using magic tricks, maybe appearing balls or, you know, using a story in that way, or maybe a change bag or using linking rings, that's another trick we do. Or maybe, you know, there's tons and tons and tons of sleight of hand, you know, um, illusions, you might call them, um, that you can use that can drive a point home. And it creates that story to be tangible for those children. And so learn to get in involved in a little bit of uh, you know, I still almost hate to use the term, but get involved in some magic tricks and using some of those things to be effective. And I've got a magic trick that I'm working on right now that I'm going to have involved here in junior church in a little bit. I got the magic trick, and I'm going to begin developing the storyline of how I'm going to use it. So this can be super effective for you to be able to use. Let me encourage you to do that. You can go on YouTube, watch how these tricks are used. You can even look it up. I've never Googled magic tricks for junior church you may get some good things come up. You may not. You never know with Google. So, But you can make those effective. Here's another one. Number six, use the sermons in chemistry set. That's right. I said the sermons in chemistry set. It's another thing that you can take and make a lesson very visual and very tangible for those children. So you can go to, and I'm going to give you the website. You can go to Berg, B-E-R. B-E-R-G, bergchristian.com. And uh, bergchristian.com, there will be a link in the show notes or the description as well. And uh, you go there, and there is a Sermons in Chemistry um, page for his website, and you can go on there. And what it is is it's a chemistry set. It comes with little bottles of little um, little liquids and little um, little chemicals, and then it's got little um, test tubes, and it's got a light, and it's got a whole bunch of different things that you can use. And so each set, I think there's three different sets. There's a sampler set, a teacher set, and the pastor set. I have the pastor set 
it's I believe it to be most effective. It's got the lighted um, test tube holder, and um, but it's got 45 lessons in a little book that you can use. And truth is, after you've used it for a little while, you'll start developing your own um, little lessons from it. And what it is is, let me give you an example. You get this little test tube set up, and you fill the test tubes up, and you'll have just this little liquid, this little chemical, and you'll be talking and you'll be teaching a lesson maybe about sin, maybe about you know the same type of thing we discussed with the magic tricks, but maybe you're discussing sin and you have four test tubes and you put three drops while you're just talking. You put three drops in this test tube and all of a sudden that water turns to black or that water turns to blue or the next tube turns to green and the next one to yellow. And you talk about those sins and then you talk about how Jesus gave his life on the cross and then you go to that fifth test tube and it just has water in it. And you put three little drops in, and all of a sudden it turns to the color of blood. And the kids are like, wow, that's incredible. And it turns to blood, and you're like, and Jesus gave his blood. And you know what? Jesus loved us so much that his blood can wash away our sins. And now you take the test tube filled with the color blood, and you pour it in each of the other test tubes, and they turn back to just clear water. And the kids are, their jaws are dropping. They're like, wow, that is incredible. How did he do that? And frankly, it's just something that takes it. As I said, again, anything you can do to make something tangible for the kids. Maybe um, this is off the topic of sermons and chemistry, but maybe if you're teaching on Jesus walking on the water, maybe bring in a pail of water and have a kid take his, his socks and shoes off and put his foot on top of the water and try and walk on it. He can't do it. He knows he can't do it, but it makes it tangible. They can now feel the lesson. They're going to remember it. The Sermons in Chemistry set, it has 45 lessons. I encourage you to get the pastor's set um, at bergchristian.com. Get the pastor's set. It's expensive, all right? It's, sit down, it's $300, and um, get the church to buy it for the junior church director as a ministry tool, as a ministry resource, but it is a phenomenal resource to have. You want the Sermons in Chemistry set. You will use it. You'll figure out different things you can do with it. It's very effective, so let me encourage you to get the Sermons in Chemistry set. Let me encourage you next, and wow, we're running way over time, but uh, let me encourage you next to do special Sundays. That'd be tip number seven. Do special Sundays. So do, you know, we're going to have popcorn Sunday this Sunday. Get a popcorn maker, make popcorn. We're going to do snow cone Sunday. You know, get a snow cone machine and make snow cones. You know, we're going to do Western Sunday this month. And, you know, all this month we're going to do Western Sunday. Maybe you have Western skits and maybe you decorate the junior church like a like to look like a Western town. Or, you know, we're going to do space Sunday this month. And, you know, for the next three weeks we're going to be doing space theme. And maybe you hang stars up and you have a theme. You have some something going on. You have on the last Sunday of that month, those kids dress up like cowboys and cowgirls. And, you know, you know, boys, you know, you wear button down, you know, shirts and you wear your jeans and some cowboy boots and a cowboy hat. And young ladies, you put on your best, you know, skirt and you put on maybe a button down shirt. You get yourselves a cowgirl hat and put on braids and, you know, and you, you, you blow it up, you make it exciting, you make it animated and you run a program, you run a, um, a promotion for a couple weeks or maybe just one week. One thing that we did for a couple weeks, and um, this was really exciting for the kids, is we did Who Wants to Be a 100 Airhead? It's kind of a spinoff of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? We did Who Wants to Be a 100 Airhead? And so we set it up the same way as Millionaire 
you know, the show, if you've ever seen the show, the lights go dim. I have one kid come up and we had a PowerPoint, you know, the four questions, we had the answers. They started off simple, got harder. And, you know, with each step up, he could guarantee how many airheads he would win, you know? So if he answered question number three, he automatically got 10 airheads or five airheads. If he could answer question number, uh, you know, seven, he automatically got 10 airheads. If he could answer question number, you know, you step it up and you move all the way up to, However many questions you're going to run, if it's 20 questions, I think is what we did. I think we did 21 questions. And uh, if they could go all the way up, they won a box of 100 airheads. And that was something exciting we did. But learn to think of promotions you can use and you can run for the kids in your junior church. Number eight for tips, let me encourage you this one, gummy worms. You say gummy worms? Gummy worms are super effective. Um, most kids, 99% of kids love gummy worms. In all my time of teaching junior church, I've only run across one kid that did not like gummy worms. Pretty much all of them do the sour neon kind, and they can be an effective way for a kid answers a question in junior church. Not only does he get 300 points for his team, but you've opened the pack of gummy worms. You're pulling one gummy worm out at a time and you just throw it at that kid. And it makes them laugh. It's funny. But they're getting candy as they're going along in junior church. So they answer a question, wham, I throw a gummy worm at them. They sing in song really well. And, and Brother Todd says, hey, he did really good. Wham, he hits him with a gummy worm. I see a kid listening very well during this. I Wham, I hit him with a gummy worm. And so I'm just throwing out gummy worms the entire time of junior church. It develops a connection with the kids. You're that fun gummy worm throwing guy. They will tell other kids about their church where the guy throws gummy worms at them. And you know what? It's going to start catching on. So throw some gummy worms. Not only that, but now they're getting double rewarded. So if they answer a question, they're getting points for their team. They're getting more, you know, they're keeping the guy who's watching for the Spirit Award is going to be keeping an eye on them. And then they're getting a gummy worm. I mean, they're just getting rewarded all over the place. It's exciting. And then throwing gummy worms, who doesn't love that? I mean, they're getting candy, soft candy thrown at them. You can, you know, make jokes with them, you know, catch and stuff like that. Oh, you can't catch. You're not on my football team. And gummy worms can be super effective and just throw them. And you say, what if they hit the floor? Tell them the three-second rule. And uh, say, you know, pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. And, um, you know, if they don't want to eat it, tough luck. They don't get another one. They can go throw it away. And uh, But that's what we do. Gummy worms can be super effective for just building a connection and just having fun in junior church. Number nine, and number nine tip for junior church workers is games. Learn to have a game time. It doesn't need to be the biggest time of junior church, okay? It needs to be small in comparison to the amount of time you ask questions, in comparison to the amount of time that you spend preaching. It needs to be a smaller amount of time. Now, not so small that it's ineffective. Okay, if you play games for two minutes, it's not going to be effective. It's not going to make a difference to them. Better at that point just to not even do it. But if you have a game time and make it, maybe you have a total of 45 minutes and you make a 10-minute, at most maybe a 15-minute game time, well, now we're actually talking about being involved in some things. There's lots of games you can do in junior church. I'm not going to talk about all of them. You can look them up. If you have questions or maybe you say, hey, I'd like to hear an episode just games for junior church, we can do that. Um, one of my most effective games, we have a smaller junior church in a smaller room right now. So right now we're looking at games like Four Corners for us are awesome. Our kids love Four Corners. They love if I set up a table and we do like memory match. And if they answer a question, they get to come up 
and they can, um, you know, flip a card over and try and match up the the cards, you know, for memory, like the game. They'll earn a points for their team. Or what we did this past week was we took cups, you know, just red solo cups, and um, we turned them all upside down. And under each one was a different type of candy. So different colored M&Ms, different colored gummy worms. And if they got a match, if they got two blue M&Ms, they got to eat the M&Ms and they got points for their team. And so we're really running and packing them full of sugar. So memory match can be fun. Felt board games, if you have a felt board and you can stick things up on the felt board and they can pull them off and get points for their team or, you know, lose points for their teams, that can be effective. Food games, getting them to run up and do like relay races with like M&Ms and straws or doing taste tests or, you know, who can drink this can of soda the fastest or who will come up and try this baby food, you know, all of those work, you know, minute to win it type games work great. And so you need to be effective at game time. It needs to punch home the lesson. It needs to be effective. It needs to have a point. We don't just do game times just to have fun. It needs to have a point. It needs to develop a connection and go about it in that way. And then here's the number one tip. It's actually tip number 10, but it's the number one. I said these aren't in order of importance, but this one is going to be the most important without a doubt. And here it is, tip number 10, enthusiasm or animation. You can be a very profound, very biblical. You can teach one of the greatest lessons um, doctrinally a kid will ever hear. You can play game times. You can sing songs. But if you aren't animated, you're not going to connect with the kids. And I'm just being honest. Um, if you're just, you get up there for, for preaching time and, all right, kids, if you turn in your Bible to the book of John, chapter number 6 and verse number 30, we're going to read the first five verses, and then we're going to pray. And, you know, God loves you so much, and, you know, you need to be good, and you need, it's not going to matter. But if you get up there and say, all right, kids, now preaching time is the most important time of junior church, and we're going to have a great time today. Everybody turn in your Bibles to the book of John, chapter number six, not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, but turn to John chapter six. Turn to John chapter six. We're going to look at verse number 30. And you know, God, Jesus loves you so much, and Jesus died, and you're animated, and you're excited. You will connect with the kids. And so what you do with your animation and your excitement is you use it for everything. Songs, you don't sing them, I'm in, right out, right up, right down. No, you sing them, I'm in, right out, right up, right You sing with excitement. You sing with animation. You're excited. You're pumped up. They practically are having to keep you from jumping on the walls. I mean, you're excited. You're running around. You're having fun. You're laughing. You're shouting. You're singing loud. You're singing quiet. You're singing while crouching down. You're singing while standing on your tippy toes. You're singing the wiggle worm song and your shoe goes flying off when you kick the wiggle worm out of Sunday school cool. I mean, you are just animated. You are pumped up. You are excited. You're pumped out up about the Spirit Award. You take that Spirit Award. Hey, we're giving away a whole box of Twinkies. You know, Brother Todd, I think we should just split these Twinkies right now. Let's not give them to the kids. Let's just eat them. And you go to grab a, grab a, grab a Twinkie and go to eat it. And they're telling you, no, no, no. Be animated. Be excited. Take a gummy worm before you throw it out. Stick it in your mouth. Lick it. And then go to throw it at the kid. And they're going to be like, no. Don't throw it at them, obviously. But just learn to be excited, be animated, and have fun. You know what? The rule that I talked about in the beginning, you know, three rules of your church, no talking while Brother Josh is talking, the one, two, three rule, and have fun. The have fun rule is more of a reminder to me. 
because sometimes I can bring what I'm struggling with or what I'm dealing with, or maybe my, maybe my lesson didn't go so well in Sunday school, or maybe somebody didn't show up for church. I'm kind of discouraged about it. And sometimes I can bring that into junior church. Those junior church kids don't need that. They need me to have fun with them. They need a junior church worker who is excited, he is pumped up, he thinks serving God is the best thing ever, and you prove it by your smile and the way you do things. Now, that doesn't mean you're an entire goofball the entire time. That doesn't mean you're joking up and you're being sarcastic during the entire preaching time. No, you've got to learn to level it off. And you need to learn, you know, during preaching time, we're going to get a little bit more serious than we have been. You know, when I'm driving a point home about the cross, that's not the time to crack a joke. I'm serious about it. You know, I'm moving them to tears, almost trying to to change that emotion within them and really get them to get a hold of what's going on. And so you have to learn to be effective in your animation, but you need to be animated. You have to be enthusiastic. Otherwise, they won't be involved. And one of the things I was talking about, if you remember, I said, remember this for team competitions. You make the prizes exciting. Today, we're going to give away. Do you want to know? And they're like, yes. Do you want to know what the prize is? Yes. And you say, I can't hear you. And they say, well, yes. And you say, we're going to give away a Tootsie Pop to every member of the winning team. Who's excited? You know, it's a Tootsie Pop. Give me a break. What kind of prize is that? But they're pumped up. They're excited. Why? You're excited. You're animated. You're ready to go. They think you think the Tootsie Pop is the greatest thing since sliced bread, and they're going to think so too because they're going to follow you. Kids are easily influenced, and so you'll want to make sure you're animated and excited. That is the number one tip. Because truth is, you can do all these other things, but if you are just, frankly, I'm not trying to be mean, but if you're a boring person, it's not going to work. You can do all the chemistry and magic tricks and missionary stories and Bible preaching and rules you want, but unless you're animated and enthusiastic, it won't matter. So, you say, I'm not a very enthusiastic person. Well, it's time to learn. Time to learn. So, there they are, the top 10 tips for junior church workers. Let me encourage you, if you enjoyed today's episode, share it with somebody else. If you know a junior church director who could use this, share it with them. Implement these into your junior church. They might not all work for you, but maybe by principle you can um, uh, apply them in a slightly different way, and maybe they'll help you out some. My friend, until next time, as you lead your junior church, keep looking up and keep stirred up for the cause of Christ.